Thank you, church, and thank you, worship team, as we begin this year in worship, lifting up our voices in praise to our Lord Jesus Christ. A son of a king some 3,000 years ago succeeded his great father and inherited the responsibility of leading an entire nation. And God came to him and he said, ask me anything Ask from me anything, and I'll give it to you. I mean, this is better than a genie in a bottle with three wishes, is it not? Because the creator God of the universe, with whom nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible, comes to you and says, ask me anything. What are you going to ask? What are you going to ask? Well, some of you, you already know the story. It's the story of Solomon, right? He succeeds his father, the great King David, perhaps the greatest king of all time. And, and Solomon wisely asked one thing of God. He asked for wisdom. He said, you, you've blessed my father, you've blessed this nation, uh, this is a wonderful people, and you've been so kind to us. Father, now you've given me the responsibility to lead this nation, so the one thing I ask is that you give me wisdom, not that Solomon would succeed personally, but Father, give me wisdom that I might lead this nation responsibly and God answers that prayer and we have the the book of Proverbs a great book of wisdom before us because of that gift that God gave Solomon this gift of wisdom and in the 29th chapter of that book of wisdom in the 18th verse we we find these words and I want you to say them with me this morning Proverbs 29 18 do we there we go Let's say it out loud together. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. God says it very plainly. Solomon understood it. If you have no vision, you die. He added to that, if you follow God's law, you'll be happy. Perhaps as we change the calendar 2019 some of you've been thinking about a vision for 2019 perhaps you already have personal vision maybe it has to do with uh, your health or, or some habit you want to break or some habit good habit that you want to add to your life maybe you have a vision or you've been thinking about praying about a vision for your family where do you want your family to be a year from now what things would you like to change what things would you like to to beef up what things would you like to take out uh, of your family life that's that's not healthy perhaps some of you have a, a vision for your company you own a company or you have leadership in that company. You have a vision for the team that you lead. Some of you may have a vision for the community. You're a community leader or a community activist, a community servant. Some of you may have a vision for First Baptist Church. You, you serve as a deacon or a leader. You're a connect group leader. You have a, a vision for those that you teach the Bible to on a weekly basis. Well, you know, last year I started praying about a vision for 2019. This is, 
I think about the 38th year that I've began a new year in the pulpit, preaching to a church and sharing. This is what we need to do in this year. And I pray, God, give me something new. Lord, give me something fresh. Give me something original. Give me something that would have a, a wow factor. And, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I've got an, an ego like many of you do as well. And, and, and I could just imagine, you know, God's going to give me this vision. and You're going to leave here when I go to the back door and shake my hand. And, and instead of, well, instead of shaking my hand saying, great sermon, Pastor, you're going to come give me a high five. Wow, what a vision that is. I, I thought, you know, the deacons are going to leave and they're going to come running and jumping. We'll do a chest bump together. Wow, Bob, Bob, that is, that's just so great. I can't wait for 2019. I, I mean, I thought, pastors around the community will hear from you all this great vision they'll they'll call me and say bob where'd you get that vision how had god give you that that vision and uh, that's what i wanted to happen it didn't happen no uh in fact god god did answer me though um and he gave me something original not not original to me, uh, original to him. He's his creator. You know, nothing we do is original. You realize that? We just recreate stuff. God is the one who created everything from, from nothing. So he didn't give me anything new. He didn't give me something that's going to make us go, wow, that's incredible. And for those of you who know me the best, and you know what God is doing in my life right now, you know the vision that I want each of us to embrace for 2019 it is a vision that god has burned into my heart it's a vision that is 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 as old as the gospel of matthew indeed it's as old as the foundation of the creation jesus jesus spoke of it clearly after his resurrection and before his ascension you know many of you the verse that captures this you know it by heart and and many of you have taught it as teachers here at First Baptist. It is the path that God has laid out for you and me. And there is no greater vision than that that we can find in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I know many of you know it by memory, but I want us to read it together, if you will. Then Jesus came near and he said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, I know this for certain. This is God's plan for you. It's God's plan for me. It's God's plan for us as a church it is not new but it is renewing it is not fresh but it does bring refreshment it's not original with man but it is original with god himself and it renews our passion as a believer to be a part of god's plan and if you're not a believer and you find forgiveness in, in the lord jesus christ and begin to follow him it's not just simply renewing it gives you new life it gives you new birth it is nothing less than god's great commandment 
to us. Uh, that's not a popular word in, in church circles. We understand it in a lot of other arenas in life, but when it comes to church, we don't want to be told what to do. But it is God's commandment. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So God's vision for us for 2019 is disciples making disciples. Let me say that again. Disciples making disciples. I want you to say it with me. Disciples making disciples. God's vision in 2019 for First Baptist Church is, say it with me, disciples making disciples. One more time. Disciples making disciples. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever had a, a vision, a personal vision, a business vision, any kind of vision in your life in the past, but it never came to be because you didn't ha have a clue of how to make it happen? Or, or maybe you knew how to make it happen, but you didn't have the resources to make it happen. Or, or maybe you knew how and you had the resources, but you didn't personally possess the skill to make it happen. Have you ever had a vision like that? I, I think perhaps many of us, many of us have. You know, the good thing about this vision that God has given us is that he, in that verse in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he's told us that he has all the resources that we need for the vision. In fact, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He has all the resources. Now, how to do it? He said, teach them everything I have commanded you. So he has given us the instruction of how to do it. Well, so, you know, you, you know what he wants you to do, and, and you have instructions on how to do it, and he promises all the authority. How about the skill? Is that the thing missing? Well, Jesus says, listen, I promise to be with you in this mission to the very end of the age. And with his presence comes his power. Anything you lack in skill can be made up with God's power. He's provided it all to us. So today I want us to look at the practical how-to to make this vision of disciples making disciples come to be. And we find it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, this is not the only place in God's Word that talks about disciples making disciples, but we don't have time uh, to look at everything. So I want us to concentrate on this one chapter this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll see some of the verses on, on the screen, and you can open up your Bible, turn to it, uh, open up your phone. Use your YouVersion app or whatever it is, but I, I want you to see these words this morning. And when I studied it this week, I came up with 14 words that just popped off the page. And I want to share those 14 words with you. The first word is grace. Verse 1 reads, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The discipling process, disciples making disciples, begins with God. 
It doesn't begin with you. It doesn't begin with me as the pastor. It doesn't begin with the staff. It begins with God. Without God's grace, all of us would be completely lost and completely dead in our sin. But because of God's love, and only because of God's love, you and I have the strength to begin this process and to carry out this, this mission. That grace comes through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, you'll never have the compassion to care for those who are lost and dying without Christ. Without Jesus Christ, you'll never have the strength to carry out this mission of disciples making disciples. Without Jesus Christ, you'll be frustrated as you work with absolutely no authority and no power. You'll be intimidated by the world around you as you try to do it alone. Paul is the one who wrote 2 Timothy. He wrote it to his, his uh, mentee, Timothy, and teaching him how to, to be a good pastor. And he told him, be strong, not in your own life, Timothy. Be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. That's such good news this morning. He doesn't say, Bob, be strong in your strength. Then I've got to go out there and find my strength, right? I've got to improve my strength. He says, be strong in the grace. And grace is something that you receive that you do not deserve. It's something that, that you receive that you can't do for yourself. And so Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. Run to Him. Embrace Him. Hang on to Him, and He, in His grace, will give you all the strength that you need to complete this mission of disciples making disciples. The first word is grace. The second word is listen. Look at verse 2, the, the first half of verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Now, I know that's not a full sentence. We're going to get to the rest of it. But in that first clause is an important thing for us to understand. And what you have heard, the only way you can hear anything is to, to listen. God has instructed us for this disciple-making, disciple mission. Paul's writing to Timothy. His words are inspired by God, and it's part of God's word to us. It's in the Bible. So we need to pick it up. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to pray through our reading of it. We need to study it with others so that we gain from, from their wisdom and their understanding and God working in their life as well. We need to read it daily. We need to memorize portions of it. We need to find direction in it. We need to find correction in it. We need to find comfort in it. In this journey of disciples making disciples, there will be times that we're exhausted. There will be times that we're sorrowful. There will be times that we grieve, and we need to find comfort. We need to find encouragement because there will be times that, that we're intimidated and times that we're fearful and, and frightened, times that we, we are weak in our faith. We need to find in God's Word those things that will encourage us in this mission. He's promised to be with you on this mission all the way to the end of the age. I mean, you'll never wake up one day on this mission of disciples making disciples, and God will be AWOL. Not one day. He, he won't be 
absent from you. There may be times that you don't feel like you hear His voice. In those times, it may be because there's some things that you're doing that that uh, are, are impeding you listening to God's voice. There may be times that God is quiet because He simply wants you to trust Him in faith. But God will never be absent. He's promised to be with us through the end of the age. But the only way that we find this instruction is by opening up His Word. And so let me ask you this morning, with this vision of disciples making disciples, where are you? when it comes to reading God's Word. Are you reading it daily? Are you reading it occasionally? Are you hearing it and reading it on the Sundays that you come, skipping those weeks when you miss church? Where are you when it comes to reading God's word. The first word is grace. It's in Christ alone that we tackle this mission. The second word is in listening. We need to open up and listen to God's word as we read it. The third word is teach. Now the the rest of that sentence in verse 2 reads, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul said to Timothy, listen And then teach. Listen to all that I have to share with you that I've gotten from God. And then identify others whom will not only listen to you and not only you can teach, but identify others who after they listen to you, after you teach them, they will go and find others to teach who will listen as well. You know, we have... Some wonderful, I mean wonderful, Bible teachers here at First Baptist Church. I'm inspired by the time that that they spend. I'm inspired by the ability that God has given them to teach. And many of you have discovered the blessing of their teaching, and you enjoy, right after a 9.30 worship, you go to a connect group, and, and you listen, and they teach you well. But for many of us, the blessing stops right there. You get some teaching in in the sanctuary, from the pulpit, from your pastor, and you get some teaching from your connect group leader, and you are blessed, and it stops right there. Because you never go out and find someone else to share what you've learned. You don't identify others who will listen, who not simply will will listen so that they'll be smarter and more intelligent about God's Word, but so that they can share that blessing with others. You know, the greatest sign of a great teacher is an empty classroom because all of your students leave to go teach others. Well, Well, actually... Your classroom won't stay empty because God will continue. You teach with that kind of attitude and and that kind of mindset. God won't let your classroom go empty. He'll, He'll fill it, but they'll be filled with new students whom will empty out to go teach others as well. And and so with that process, students come in and you teach and they go out. You will never be sitting there with a bunch of stale, sad saints who simply sit and soak until they sour. No. What, what will happen 
is that God will continue to fill your classroom with splendid saints who sail on to reach the next generation. How exciting is that? I mean, wouldn't you much rather have people who you've taught come back to you that you haven't seen in years and say, hey, guess what's happening? You remember when you taught me this? Well, I'm out here and I'm sharing this with someone else. And they are sharing it with other people. God is calling us to listen so that we can identify and find others who will grow in the teaching and and then go out to teach others. The first word is grace. The second word is listen. The third word is teach. And the fourth word is suffer. Uh, Look at verse 3, and I want us to read this one together. Will you say it out loud? Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You know, when our, when our favorite football coach borrows a line from the great Lombardi and says, football is like life. It requires perseverance and self-denial and hard work and sacrifice and dedication and respect for authority. And we can just imagine him saying that at halftime in the locker room or before the game starts. We applaud that speech. And we expect every single player on that team to go suffer for the team. When our favorite general borrows a line from Schwarzkopf, It says, it doesn't take a hero to order men into battle. It takes a hero to be one of those men who goes into battle. We cheer with pride for the men and women who've put on the uniform and served our country, suffering for our country. And when our favorite politician borrows a line from Churchill, And says, out of the depths of sorrow and sacrifice will be born again the glories of mankind. We reach down deep in our soul and we stand ready to suffer for the victory. And and when the preacher uses the word suffer, we grab our wallet with a clenched fist and say, he's talking about money, no way I'm going to suffer. I mean, we, we understand the principle of suffering in every arena of life until we come to church. And then we say, no, preacher, don't talk to me about suffering. And if God is a good God, why do we suffer anyway? Oh, listen, why, why do we applaud that in, in arenas of life that produce a temporary victory on a football field? But we don't listen to the wisdom for spiritual victories that are eternal in nature. I like football. I'm going to watch a game tomorrow night. I'm going to enjoy it, maybe. I didn't enjoy a basketball game yesterday. But uh, I got excited about it. I got into it, and the day's gone, and, and, and the loss, it's in the record book, but it's gone. I still got up today. But there are spiritual battles being worked out each and every day. You, you sacrifice 
for your children so they can get an education. Uh, you know, you've moved them to a place. You live here in Forsyth County, North Fulton. You, you've moved them to a place that costs more because uh, you, you want them to have a, a, a good standard of living, quality of life. And, and you've done without things for your children. You've done without things for your family. You've sacrificed at the job so that your company will grow and be successful. Is there anything greater to sacrifice and suffer for than to know that your mission of disciples making disciples brought the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone who was lost and dying without the hope of eternity in heaven? Let's embrace Again, what God has taught us, that a good soldier is willing to suffer for the mission. So the first word is grace. Second word is listen. Third word is teach. The fourth word is suffer. The fifth word is focus. Paul said in verse 4, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the recruiter. Some of you are familiar with ADD. Now let me say, and please listen very carefully, I am not roasting anyone who suffers with that this morning whatsoever. I suffer with things that require medication as well. All right? Attention deficit disorder. Some of you are responsible to make sure that medicine is taken for that disorder. Some of you know what it's like to deal with a person who has failed to take the medication. Again, please understand, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus who suffers with that. All of us suffer with some things that require some medication. What I am doing is showing you this example because many of us in this room today suffer from spiritual ADD. We lose our focus on the things of God. We lose our focus on God Himself. And, and we don't have any trouble with focus at home or work or school. But spiritual AD is a malady that is just epidemic today. And so lacking that focus to stay on track with God has its consequences. But you know, there are two daily medications that you can take and one weekly medication that you can take that will avert spiritual ADD. The daily medications are prayer and Bible study, and the weekly medication is worship. Where are you in that? I mean, you, you know that a person who legitimately has ADD suffers their their behavior changes when they don't take their medication and so for the believer when you don't take the medication your your behavior changes if you don't pray regularly if you don't read your bible regularly and if you don't worship with the church weekly we're going to talk about daily worship as well but if you don't worship with the church weekly don't be surprised when your behavior when your attitude changes it will and you 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 know you've seen it 
the person who needs medication and their behavior changes, they don't always see that, do they? You see it. Others see it. But they don't. So if you're sitting here right now and you know, honestly, no, I'm not reading my Bible daily. No, I'm not praying daily. No, I'm not weekly coming to church, worshiping. You may not recognize that your behavior has changed. But others do. And if they don't, God does. On the website this week, you can find 21-day challenge in the newsletter article. Uh, for, for January, we sent it out uh, in December, and someone said, hey, Bob, the 21-day challenge, I, I'm ready for it. It's not there yet. And I said, it'll be there in January. But the newsletter went out a, 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 about a week early. There's a 21-day challenge, and, and I'm going to challenge each one of you to go through this personal worship habit daily for 21 days, reading your Bible, praying to God, spending time with him there's more information on the web about how to do that how you can read through the scripture start with prayer then read it ask some questions what questions come to your mind as you read that passage interpret that passage in light of all that you already know about god's word and then summarize an application in light of what i've read with god's grace my next step is and then you fill in the blank and then spend some time with god in prayer you could use the model prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever let me challenge you 21 days and i'll go so far as to say if you miss a day start back over See if you can do it for 21 days. See if it doesn't help your attitude as well as your behavior when it comes to obedience to the things of God. And when you do that, you'll be ready to be a disciple who makes disciples. So the first word is grace. Second word is listen. Third word is teach. Fourth word is suffer. The fifth word is is focus we need to be focused on those things of life not letting spiritual add deflect us from what god has called us to do the sixth word is follow paul wrote in verse five also if anyone competes as an athlete he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules we are so funny and inconsistent when it comes to rules, are we not? I mean, we want everyone around us to follow the rules when it benefits us. We want everyone else to bend the rules or, or, or allow us to break the rules if we think it infringes on our desires. God gave us ten rules. We, we know them as the Ten Commandments. And let me tell you, each and every one of those rules benefit us. The first three ensure a healthy relationship with the creator God of the universe who loved us enough to die for us. Now, let me ask you, what relationship in your life is more important than that one? And what relationship in your life needs to be healthier than that one? The creator God of the universe who loves you enough to die for you and you don't care how you relate to him? 
Wow, how sad is that? So those first three commandments are not there to impinge on your fun, but to give you freedom to enjoy the life the Creator has for you. The last seven are there to help you get along with one another. And again, I want you to think about those seven. Those seven commandments. Do you want anyone breaking those seven commandments as they relate to you? Parents, do you want your children breaking the commandment that tells them to honor father and mother? No. Do you honor father and mother? Well, you know, most of the time. You don't want your kid to say, well, yeah, most of the time. No, you, you want them to obey that commandment. You also understand that it makes life better for them. You don't want your neighbor to steal from you. So doesn't it make sense that that commandment is good for you as well to follow? To be a disciple who makes disciples, you and I need to be in a proper relationship with God, and we need to be in a proper relationship with the people around us. I remember one time a, a repair person for, for my furnace came, came by, and, and, and I, was, I was so aggravated with with the company, with everything that had happened before he got there. He finally gets there, and I thought, I am going to let him know how frustrated I am, and I did. I mean, the entire time he was there, I was nipping at his heels. I, I don't know how he ever got it fixed because he was getting a word from me. And then about, you know, halfway through this ordeal, I, I, I remembered, you know, this next Sunday is Easter. Easter is the easiest time to invite people to church. And uh, there is no way I could invite this guy to church with the way I've talked to him. See, God's commandments on how to get along with him and how to get along with other, others help us in our ability to be disciples who make disciples. The sixth word is follow. Follow his rules. The seventh word is enjoy. Paul wrote in, in, in verse 6, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Those of you that know me um, know that uh, I've got a farm background. I've got a couple of tractors. I enjoy farming and, and gardening. And I, I mentioned this one time in, in January that the Burpee Seed Catalog had come out, and I was so excited. And Scott Carpenter the next day said, Preacher, Bob, what in the world is a Burpee Catalog? Well, he had never heard of that, but those of you like that garden, you get excited when that catalog comes in the mail. And every gardener knows that the end of gardening experience leads to a tasty harvest. God promised us a harvest as well. And in this verse, he, he points out the obvious. I mean, if you plant <coughs> and you reap, you get to enjoy the fruit. The farmer gets to enjoy the fruit of, of his labor. And some of you like fruit, some of you like veggies, some of you like, you know, prefer meat and fish, and some of you like it all, but, but seriously, no, you know, set the food jokes aside. Does it get any better than leading someone to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ and having the hope of eternal life? Does it get any better than enjoying the smile of the fruit of your witness, the fruit of your disciple-making. And we need to stop and enjoy that. 
And when you stop and enjoy, just really just, just celebrate and relish the fact that, that because you suffered some, because you stayed focused some, because you listened some, because you identified someone who would listen to you and carried on, you ought to enjoy the fact that they've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you've ever experienced that joy, you'll want to go find someone else to share it with as well. You and I need to focus on that word of enjoying the fruit of our labor. You know, so we've looked at the first seven words from this passage on disciples making disciples. There's seven more words, and the good news is that we're going to look at those next week. I know, I saw some of you looking at your watch. He's only got, he's only done seven words. There's 14 here. He's only done, you've punched it. Look, look where we are. Seven more words. All right? So we'll get those next week. But day, today, I want to close by asking these three questions. Of those seven words that we did today, what one word has God impressed on your heart? So I, I don't even, right now, want you to try to remember all seven. What one word is God pushing on you right now? Second question I want to ask you is this. Why has God placed that word on your heart? I, I suspect that as soon as that one word came to your mind, some of you thought, uh-oh, I know where this is going, God. You didn't even say, uh-oh, preacher. You said, uh-oh, God, I know where this is going. You put that word on my heart because of this attitude I've been carrying around. You put that word on my heart because of this bad habit I've let take me off focus. You've put that word on my heart because I have been unfaithful in this. You've put that word on my heart today, God. I know why. And, and perhaps if he's put a word on your heart and it isn't that obvious, maybe that signals to you that you need to spend some time in prayer and say, God, why why'd you put that word? Why? Why? And then the third thing I want you to ask is in light of that word and the reason you put that word in my heart, what is my next step as a believer today?